Um, I like to follow this page on Facebook um, where I, I see the, the videos of this, this guy. And the people that buy these vintage pieces, ranging from tools to... There's one of, one of my favorites is of a, of a little vintage boat, right? And he restores these things. So people buy them, they take it to him, and he will strip off the old paint, right? He'll take off all the rust, right? Um, he'll try to match as, as closely as he, as he can the original paint and the original design as it was intended to be um, made. And that is a good picture of what sanctification is. We've been bought, as we've seen, we've been justified and bought by the precious blood of Jesus. We sang today. And now, Jesus is not done with us. He is just getting started. He is going to start to sanctify the Christian. To, uh, and he's going to take off the old man, as it says in Scripture, and put on the new. And day after day, year after year, moment after moment, he's going to be sanctifying us. So, we've already talked about election, the gospel call, regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, and now we get to sanctification. And I just want to, as I did regeneration and conversion, just do it in three simple questions. What is it? Who does it? And how is is it? It is accomplished. What is sanctification? What is to make holy, right? It's to consecrate. It's to the process of God making us holy, making us like Him. Our confession in chapter 13, verse um, paragraph 1 says, They who are united to Christ, effectually called, right? That's one of our order of salvation um, topics, right? The gospel call, effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection. Amen. This is only through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Those are also far farther sanctified, really and personally, through that same virtue, the death and resurrection of Christ, by his word and spirit dwelling in them, the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts of it are more and more weakened and mortified, and they more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces to the practice of all true holiness, without which, without which no man shall see the Lord. You see these words more and more, right? Sanctification is a gradual transformation, a day-by-day transformation, a moment-by-moment. It's a lifelong process where God is weakening more and more our lust and our fleshly desires and strengthening more and more our godly desires and our godly works. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is sanctification? The answer is sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. And we are in, and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. That's what we want, right? Every believer has that desire. We want to die more and more to sin and more and more live unto righteousness. Again, as I mentioned, this is a lifelong and gradual process in the Christian walk. 
right? As opposed to all the other stages where they're instantaneous, right? Justification is not a gradual process. It's a moment that it happens. Same thing with regeneration and conversion. In a moment, you come from death to life. In a moment, you're declared righteous. In a moment, you're declared a son of God or a daughter of God. But sanctification is, yes, we are declared holy, as we'll talk right now, but then it's a process of the, whole, the rest of our Christian life. It's the process you're in right now if you're a believer, if you're born again. So there's, there's, things in, uh, there's ways that the Scripture uh, describes sanctification as having been sanctified and you are being sanctified. Uh, as it says in Hebrews 10.10, By that will, the will of the Father, that the Son might come and die for us, right? By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. But then, four verses later, it says this, For by one offering, the offering of Christ, His body, right? He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What what do you think is the difference? Anybody want to share? Been sanctified, being sanctified. What is that distinction there? Any thoughts? No? Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, that's essentially right. It's, It's essentially the difference between justification and sanctification. Remember I said justification is an instantaneous moment. In a moment, when we... Turn to Christ, we are instantaneously justified, declared righteous, declared holy. If you're a believer right now, you are perfect. You're holy. You're righteous forever. As we just read, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We would say, we would, I would put that under justification. But when it talks about being sanctified, it's living out that holiness that we are called, that we are already in Christ. Does that make sense? We have to distinguish those things. Because if we confuse justification and sanctification, there's a real danger. What do you think that danger is? What's the danger of confusing justification and sanctification? Anybody? Anybody? Go ahead, Kurt. Amen. You think of Rome, right? The the moment that the baby is baptized, justification is infused. Grace is infused. And their process of being justified begins at that moment. And so the the Roman Christian life is just an, an up and down scale. Sometimes you're justified. Sometimes you're not. When you commit venial sins, if you commit mortal sins, you're you're done. You know, you have to, you know, go through all these sacraments to Get back to a place of justification with God. There is no security in that system. But we have to distinguish two. They're not enemies. They're friends. They're best friends. But we have to distinguish even them. Justification talks about declaration. Where sanctification is renovation. It's an ongoing work. Justification is completion, perfection. Where sanctification is progression. Justification is position. That's our position. And sanctification is the mission. We work to be 
We are being sanctified. What is the purpose? Well, why are, are, for what reason are we being sanctified? Ephesians chapter 5. You don't have to turn there, but um, Paul relating marriage to um, the relationship between Christ and the church. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, he says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might, what? Sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's what Christ came here to do. Not merely to convert us, not merely to adopt us, but to sanctify us. He wants a holy bride. He wants a holy people that would represent his holy name. That is the purpose of sanctification. That's what we're on. That's the journey that we're on in our Christian walk. So, that is what um, is sanctification. Number two, who does it? Now, remember this conversation we've had um, of monergism and synergism. Just to recap, who can, who can tell me the difference between those two, monergism and synergism? You guys remember? remember? Yeah, Ezra. What does monergism mean? Go ahead, Jen. Amen. Yeah, monergism is one at work. Synergism is, we can say, many at work or more than one at work. One with another. Soon, the prefix soon means with, right? Um, so do we think that sanctification is monergistic or synergistic? Think synergistic? Okay. Who says synergistic? Will does? Anybody else? Who thinks it's monergistic? Raise your hand. Nobody's participating. Emily and Jen are only. Synergism. Raise your hand. Okay. Monergism. For sanctification. Yeah. Synergistic. Okay. Monergistic. Okay. Okay, right? And that's really the answer, right? It depends how you describe it. Right, This whole uh, Sunday school series, we've been saying salvation is of the Lord. It's monergistic. It's God alone at work. But we understand, wait, I actually participate in my sanctification. It's a real participation where I decide I'm going to f- stay on the path or I'm going to go after what my flesh desires. I make that choice, Right? I think the, there's beautiful harmony in the scripture on, on these two, um, on this topic. But let's go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, if you turn to Ephesians, it's, it's right there. Um, it's the next um, epistle over. If you, uh, Philippians 2, verse 12. Famous 
verse. The Bible talks about sanctification as something that we ought to do. We ought to live out. And here we say, we, in verse 12, it is, it, there it is, right? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, here's the command, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? You do it. Paul is telling the Philippians, you work it out. You have obeyed. So you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it doesn't end there. How are we to work this salvation out? This requires real effort. Work out. Like think of, what what do we say? I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to go move. Right? That, That implies what? Will. Implies effort. It implies um, a decision, human participation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Our working is God's working, right? It, it, it's, it's, we can't say it's, it's purely synergistic, right? Because then we have something to boast about in heaven, right? right? I, was, I put more effort in my sanctification. Therefore, my crown is a little heavier than my brother's, right? No. For it is God. It's God who works in you. You work out, but it's God who works in you to will. What's will mean? To desire, to want, and to do for his good pleasure. Not just to do. There is that in Ephesians 2, right? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to walk in what? Good works which he prepared beforehand. Those good works that we walk in are not ours. But not only to do for his good pleasure, but to will, to will. Remember we talked about regeneration, that change of heart with new desires, new affections, where before we didn't want to do the will of God, but now we want to, we need to, we want to be sanctified. Kurt alluded to this in Psalm 19, not to this particularly, but in Psalm 19 we see the same thing, right? In verse 3 it says, uh, verse 2 says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, right? They keep him, right? They do it. Who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Do, do, do. They do it. But then in verse 35, he says, Lord, make me walk in your path and commandments, right? For I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes. You do it, Lord. You do it, God, on my behalf. 38, establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread. This is a healthy balance between understanding sanctification, yes, ultimately is a work of God. But when it comes to effort, it's, we are participants in it. And we're not perfect, right? We're going to talk about that later. 1 Corinthians 15 talks to us about the same thing. Paul, right? He's talking about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually 
I'm actually pretty, like, I'm better than all the other apostles, right? I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me, right? Paul doesn't even know, right? The distinction, uh, 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 like a hard distinction or, or how it all works. But he understands. Yeah, it's me, but it's God through me. I work, but it's God working in me. And we are to um, see it the same way. We would deny a hard synergism, right? In Galatians 3.3, 3, uh, Paul is rebuking the Galatians. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, right? Having begun your Christian walk in the Spirit, but now you're perfected in the flesh? No. Jesus doesn't just do everything for us. He gets us to a place of adoption and says, okay, you're on your own now. It's all up to you. Don't mess up. No. He carries us all the way along. Listen to what Francis Turretin says in his Institutes. In this sense, sanctification is now taken passively. Right? It's done unto us. Inasmuch as it is wrought by God in us, then actively, inasmuch as it ought to be done by us, God performing this work in us and by us. Amen. Ephesians 2, we read it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's no boasting, right? We're not going to boast. Look at my good works. We're going to give all glory to God because he created them before the foundation of the earth for us to walk in them. Kevin DeYoung says, So in one sense, on the level of ultimate causation, and origin, we contribute nothing to sanctification. And in the other sense, on the level of activity and effort, we sanctify ourselves. Amen. Any questions or comments here? Yeah. Yeah, this idea of a golden chain, right? That the Puritans thought this golden chain of redemption, this order of salvation. <clears throat> it's all linked together. Right? Okay, so how is it accomplished? Right? Uh, very quickly, two ways. Imperfectly by us, right? And perfectly by God. Um, paragraph 2 of chapter 13 of the Confession of Faith says, This sanctification is throughout the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abides still some remnants of corruption in every part, wherefrom arises a continual and irreconcilable war. The flesh lusting against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Exactly what Galatians 5 says. Galatians 5 um, talks about this war between the, the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish, right? Isn't that true? Would you say amen to that? That's very true in my life, even for for the life of Paul, right? Romans 7, he says, that what I wish to do, I don't do. That what I, uh, um, um, what does he say? Yeah, right. Um, that, that, That I that I wish to not do, I do. 
There's this, and at the end of that, that chapter, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he prays, thanks be to God, right? Thanks be to Christ. Right? The point is, it's imperfectly done by us. It is done by us in the sense that we are participants of it. And there's some good days and there's some good ba- bad days. Days where we said, I resisted. I, I was able to remain faithful to my Lord during this temptation. And we praise God for that. But there's other days where... Man, it seems like it's just a, a, a snowball effect, right? Where it's just sin after sin after sin. And at the end of the day, you just feel this burden and you go to the Lord in repentance, right? It's done imperfectly by us. The command in, in the New Testament is to put off the old man, put on the new man, put off the deeds of the flesh, put on the, the works of the Spirit. Flee youthful lust. Pursue righteousness. All this implies that we do it, but we do it imperfectly. And this is where we would say we're against the doctrine of perfectionism. Amen? Jesus taught us to pray. Forgive us our debts. Right? There's never going to be a time in this world where we will remain perfect. We will live perfectly before the Lord. Not even a moment. I think Martin Luther's You know, during that time where he's just being condemned by the law, right? He says, how, you know, I can live externally, you know, I can look fine before men. But in my heart, I don't love him with all my heart and soul and strength and mind all of the time. I fail to do that every day. Right? And apart from uh, the 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 work of God in us, we're left to this imperfection. So how is it accomplished? Imperfectly by us, but praise be to God, perfectly by God. Perfectly by God. That last paragraph in chapter 13 of the London Baptist Confession says, in which this war, this war between the spirit and the flesh, right? The remaining corruption for a time may such prevail. Yet, But we can say through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part does overcome. Amen. And so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, pressing after a heavenly life and evangelical obedience to all the commands which Christ as head and king in his word has prescribed to them. What a promise. What a promise that there is this supply, continual, or we could say eternal, infinite supply of of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ. Which at the end of the day, we can say, I will overcome. Because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And that is a great comfort for us. How does he accomplish this? Well, um, if, if you see there, I, I, I put um, just three points. The means he provides, the promises he gives, and the power he has. And before I, I, I go into those, I, I thought, you know, I didn't think of putting in, but providence, you know. Just what we talked about today, the different things that God allows in your life and God has ordained for your life to go through. This, this um, providence of God is what God uses to sanctify us. 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about how we have everything we need that pertains to what? Life and godliness. 
You have everything you need in Christ to live a godly, sanctified life. The means he provides. Jesus is our Redeemer. Hebrews 13, 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Amen. Hallelujah. That is our ultimate means of sanctification. The work, the finished work of Christ and his blood that washes away our sin and not only washes away our sin, but helps us to sanctify us daily and momentarily in our life. You think of Hebrews also, I mean, just getting done with Hebrews, like, you know, all these flashbacks came, brother, when, when you were going through the, the intercession of Christ, right? How Christ is interceding on our behalf. Lord, sanctify April, Lord. Lord, sanctify Alina and Will. He's praying for us. He's our Redeemer. He's our great high priest. This is the means he provides for us to be sanctified. Another means is, um, oh, look, look what Turretin says as well. It is not sufficient that Christ died and lives for us unless he also mortifies the old man in us after the likeness of his own death and vivifies the new man so that what was done in the head is done in the members as well. Right? Just how Christ died and rose again, he has to do that in us daily. He provides Christ, our Redeemer. Secondly, He provides uh, the Spirit, our Helper. John 14, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, from whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Right? And, And we hear the voice of the Spirit, right? Not literally, obviously, right? But when we're about to be tempted the Spirit is saying, hey, hey, you know, remember what Jesus said? Remember, right? That's, that's a, the help from God. That's the promised helper from God. I love that it says, he is our helper, right? Or some versions say comfort, where Latin comes with con forte, with power. He's the one with power to help us in the time of trouble, of time of trial, What other means he provides? The word and prayer. Jesus prayed for us. Sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctifies us. The fact that he prays that is also a means of grace by which we are sanctified. We go to him and we can say, Lord, please sanctify me. Lord, make me holy. Make me like you. Help me put off the deeds of the flesh. Help me put on the new man. Also the church and the ordinances or the sacraments. The gathering of believers. Right now we're encouraging a brother right now to consider membership. Right, The benefits of, of the church and how uh, we have the, 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 what do you call it, brother? The, the salad buffet, the lettuce, right? <laughs> the, the, these commands, let us love one another. Let us stimulate one another to good works. All those are means of grace for us to be sanctified. Sometimes, yes, we have Christ. Yes, we have the Spirit. But Christ, God created us to be a community where I can go to Will and say, Will, brother, pick it up. And I need you to keep me accountable too. Also the sacraments. 
We hear somebody come up and talk about the testimony, their, test, their testimony, and it makes us remind us of, of ours. And we might say, we might be listening to somebody's testimony, and we say, man, I haven't been reading my word. I don't, I don't have that love of Christ like, like how I used to, like this person is saying. I need to pick it up. I need to go to the Lord. I need to ask him for help. We take of the bread and the cup and we, we, we say this represents the body which was broken from you. And we, if we take that lightly, we might feel convicted. We say, that's, that's not right, Lord. Do something in me. These are all means of grace for our sanctification. So those are the means he provides. Secondly, the promises he gives. Philippians 1.6, this amazing promise. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There's wonderful comfort to know that, yes, my sanctification, I'm a part of it, and I fail at it every day. But the one who began that work in me, not me, it was him, he will complete it. To the day of Jesus Christ. He will carry me. He will hold me fast. Right? That's what we sing. James 1.12 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And he gives generously to all without reproach. And they will be given to him. That promise that God will supply you with the wisdom you need. In that, time, that trying time where your sanctification is being proved. We can talk about many more promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You might forsake your walk of sanctification, but God will not. He will take it to the end, the promises he gives. And lastly, the power he has. He has power to sanctify us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Not just the founder, not the one who creates faith in us. Not not only the one who... uh, unveils our eyes to see the glory of Christ, but he carries us. He carries that faith and perfects it. He makes it whole and mature and complete. That's the power that our God has. And lastly, that um, last verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is praying, Lord, you have the power to sanctify these people completely, wholly. And that is a great comfort for us. We should wonder, we should wonder and marvel at this grace of sanctification in our lives. Jesus not only saves but takes the time, he takes the time, the loving time as a shepherd to make sure that we become like him. Our sanctification matters to him. It's important to him. So it should be important to us, and we should just marvel and glorify him for that. I think another application would be press on. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God working in us to both will and and do for his good pleasure, right? And there should be extreme comfort for us that God takes any sin that we're struggling with and he can sanctify us through it. 
including the gift of homosexuality. There's, there's this exception right now, in, in, in even amongst conservative churches, to, ex, to make a little star, an asterisk, upon the sin of homosexuality. Where say, they say, you know, well, if somebody is same-sex attracted, they can't be sanctified out of that. They're going to remain like that the whole rest of their lives, and that's okay. That's not true. Just how God sanctifies through the sin of adultery and lust and gluttony and all other types, all sin. That includes homosexuality as well. And there's hope. There's hope for the homosexual, the one that's same-sex attracted. God can change you. He can change your desires. That's what He does. That's what He does. And so, um, yeah, any, any comments or questions? Go ahead, brother. Yeah, and, and we see that with uh, carnal Christianity, right? This idea of you can be saved, but not sanctified. And that's just against everything that Scripture says. God wants a holy people, right? And they would just stop at justification, right? He said the prayer, he's justified, he's good to go, but then live like a pagan the rest of their lives. And once saved, always saved, right? Yeah, we would reject that. Yeah. Anybody else? <clears throat> Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we are to examine our, our, ourselves, you know, especially when there's been you know, habitual sin in our life. Um, but yeah, I think that that is a, a fruit of the Christian walk to you know, see if you're in the faith, see if, if that faith is genuine, you know, especially with a lot of emotionalism these days. People can walk the altar how many times, right? And, uh, or people that grew up in church have this false assurance. There's no fruit in their life, right? And so, yeah, I think that's a, a healthy thing, but at the same time, not doubting your salvation, right? So not merely looking to your sanctification to see if you're saved. Primarily, we look to Christ. No, I believe what he did on my behalf, right? And so, but at the same time, that, that work of Christ should produce a work in me, a fruit. You know, that should, I should see that. Right, and it should be gradual, uh, and where you can look back five years ago and say, "I'm a little, I struggle a little less with this sin now than I did before," right, and and things like that. You know, go ahead, Susan. Yeah, yeah, and those are those are difficult um, conversations, especially, you know, it could be uh, out of ignorance, you know, like a like a you know ignorance is bliss type of situa- situation, where you know, you know, I believe in Jesus, you know, and but there's no real fruit, you know, you're not gathering with the believers, you're not reading your word, you know. Um, I would say, you know, it, it takes uh, a shepherd's heart, you know, first of all, um, but saying the truth, you know, just you know. Talking, opening the word and saying, you know, the scripture says, God said, you know, you shall know them by their fruits, you know. And so in love, 
you know, I have noticed this pattern in your life. Or in love, I noticed that, you know, you don't care to gather with the believers, you know. So I'm concerned about you, right? Um, it, it has to come from a shepherd's heart. Um, so, but those conversations need to happen, you know. And, you know, they have to be um, bathed in prayer, you know, bathed in, in just love and compassion, right? So, <laughs> yes, Steve will get you. Steve will get you. <laughs> right. Anybody else? Praise God for the work of sanctification in us. Lord, we thank you for um, this beautiful doctrine. Thank you, Lord, because you did not leave us to ourselves. You did not leave us to sanctify ourselves merely. But Father, you say you will complete the work begun in us. And we thank you, Lord, that you include us in our sanctification. You actually use us, and you use our decisions, and you use our, the discipline that we impose upon ourselves to sanctify us. We thank you for the body and all the means in the church and your word and your spirit that you have provided for us to be sanctified. And I pray, as Will said, um, that we would examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. How have, um, what, is, what, the, what has been the pattern in my life lately? Has it been towards sanctification or has it perhaps neglecting it? I pray you would help us even talk, as Susan mentioned, to those in our life that we love, we care about, that we profess faith, but there's no real fruit and real evidence of salvation and sanctification in their lives. Give us love for them, Lord. And with a kind, compassionate heart, let us speak to them, Lord, because we do love them and we are concerned for them, Lord. So we thank you for this time. Would you um, continue to bless our time as we finish up this series of um, the order of salvation, Lord, and may you give us all a wonderful Lord's day. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you.